Welcome to Super Fantastic Show. I'm your host, Coach B. Moore. Uh, in my coaching practice, I have helped many an athlete and a team to reach their ultimate goals. The guy who joins me on the podcast today uh, is one of my athletes. His name is Kyle Gurkovich. Uh, he posts on social media at the handle Team Gurk. The special thing about Kyle is that he is a two-time world record holder for the most pull-ups in 24 hours. Yes, you must be a freak to do something like that and that kind of torture. But the thing about Kyle that makes him special is not genetic superiority. You know, if you're seven foot two, you're kind of a foot in in terms of the NBA or something like that that requires a height. Kyle is a worker. And so we talked about what it takes to achieve something outstanding and seemingly impossible. And as he approaches the opportunity to reset the record this spring, we'll talk to him about what it takes to get back in the mindset of doing something that monumental. I think this episode will be really helpful to parents of teen athletes. Uh, you may get an insight into what it would take for them to be really successful, as well as allow you to support the coaching they're receiving. Take a listen. Let me know what you think. The Super Fantastic Show is brought to you by eatingforabs.com, home of the ultimate nutrition course. Visit eatingforabs.com guide to download our free nutrition resources. The show is also brought to you by coffeewithradi.com, where you can find books by author and Olympian Dr. Roddy Ferguson. Privilege to sit down with my good friend, the world record holder, swim coach, incredible athlete who uh, uh, probably hates to lose as much as I do, Kyle Vukovich. Welcome to sir. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, number one, thanks for coming. Yeah. And I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you have a bunch of things going on. Uh, you already did some training this morning. What did you do? Uh, it was just a nine-mile run. <laughs> just just a nine-mile run. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's two off degrees day. outside. Just, just a nine-mile nine run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's just jump into it, man. Sure. You are a, uh, an incredible athlete, and I know a lot of athletes. Okay? Thank you. When, when, did your, when you were a kid, when did that start? I mean, when did you, you have brothers and sisters. Yeah, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Um, I mean, they basically, my parents didn't care what we did, but we, they wanted us to do it and go 100% into it. Right. And there's like kind of like a trial run with us where they'll put us in a bunch of different sports <laughs> at once. Kind of um, like I was playing recreation soccer, recreation baseball, and wrestling pretty okay. much all during the year. Right. And kind of like you like weed some of them out. And um, I did soccer for a little bit, and then I was in Little League. And I wanted to try swimming on my summer club pool team because I had a crush on a girl that was <laughs> on the team. That's, that's good motivation. But, uh, yeah, that works. Girls are motivation. <laughs> and uh, I wanted her to talk to me because she wasn't talking, <laughs> talking to me. So I joined the team, and I was awful. I was like the worst kid on the team. Hey, how old are we talking at this point? I was probably like nine by then. So okay. I started, you're I nine got, years old. You're thinking about girls. Yeah. So much so that you joined the swim team. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Dedication. <laughs> Priorities. Um, and I was so bad and um, <laughs> like horrendous. Like my other friends my age, if they did uh, 100 meters, I did 50 meters. Like they were just lapping me. Right. And um, so then I decided to join an all-year club team out of Rutgers. And I think the only reason why I made the team was because my sister tried out also, who was three years younger than me. It was probably about, we were like, I was 11, she was eight. And they saw, like, she was good, but they kind of just was saw it, a Was tall. it a package deal? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we can't make this boy cry. <laughs> so they, like, put me in it, 
Um, and uh, just because they saw like a tall, lanky kid mm-hmm. and at the time, I had a big growth spurt. So they just put me in there, and I improved drastically. And like that next summer, when I was back on the team with that girl, I was like winning everything, and I didn't like her anymore. Oh wow! <laughs> but she helped me. You know what's what's impressive about that is yeah. well, the question is, what was the uniform? Of the of the men on the swim team at the time, was it speedos or was it trunks? Oh, it was it was, it was a speedo. It was a nice brief. Okay, <laughs> it takes a lot of confidence for a nine year old kid to put on some speedos I in know. order to impress a girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a little risk in there. Could, could go either way. Yeah, the team pictures are <laughs> horrendous. <laughs> Good throwbacks. So okay, what what about your brother? What did your brother play? And is he older or younger than you? My brother my brother's three years older than me. Okay, he, he was he played baseball and wrestled. He he continued to wrestle. My father was a really good wrestler. He was like he's a, he's still on like the wall of fame at my high school and okay. stuff. So my students like see like I saw your dad's name <laughs> <laughs> on it, and um, so he wrestled in high school mainly and then stopped that. Okay. Yeah. Was that like one of those basement things? Like, are there nights at the Gurkovich household where dad is just throwing on the singlet and the ear, and, and the ear protection? Well, <laughs> no, not really. Well, it's kind of like one of those things where if you're like. If you're annoying to him, he'll just put you in a grip real quick, uh-huh. like put you down, right. just to establish he's still the dominant force. What was the what was it like between you and your uh, and your brother when you were both wrestling and he's older? Well, he for for many years it it didn't matter what because he was just bigger than me. Right. So it it was just like um, he he actually picked on me for a long time until actually I remember it was in we were in Disney World. And I beat him in a video game at the arcades, and he kind of was like respect. <laughs> and then from that point on, he didn't. But it was kind of like, if I got if he got me to the ground, it was over. Like I had to stay up. <laughs> when did that change? That changed probably once he went to high, uh, college, and I was like a freshman. I was taller than him, and like I, I was still doing a lot of athletics. He wasn't anymore. Right. He was mainly just academics. So. Now it's it's not a <laughs> no it's not a, it's not an issue. <laughs> not an he's issue. been totally usurped. Yeah, the power is yours. He's, I mean, he's a genius. But <laughs> what what okay? What about your dad? Do you think if you and your dad wrestled right now that he's still got mental dominance oh, over he, you? He's got the old man strength. <laughs> he, I mean, he'll 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 his grip will take me. I just got to make sure I got the muscle still. But <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess where I'm looking for is where where do we start seeing the the trend and the pattern of that hyper competitiveness? that that is so obvious today okay you know so does that does that start in high school are we going into college where do we start to see it starts in high school um so i was on that club swim team and i was getting better and better in my perspective right not in like the like global sense Mm -hmm. and i was kind of like a big fish in a small pond type of thing so like i mean my one of my coaches always said like a black belt going to a white belt school and beating everybody up like you can feel good about it but that's not right. competition. Right. Um, so my my sophomore year of high school, I moved up into the top group uh, of the swim team. I shouldn't have been up there. I, I just was – my work ethic, like they put me up there. Right. And the head coach at the time, Brian Brown, um, I, I told him I wanted to make Olympic trials. And he said, all right, well, I hate to break it to you, but you have absolutely no talent. In okay. the water, no physical talent, like compared to everybody else. He's like, your only talent is you like to work hard, mm-hmm. and you, you, you're going to have to do two to three times the amount of work that everybody else does to get the same result. Okay. 
And I mean, as a 15 year old hearing that, you're kind of like, uh, <laughs> you just told me I was talentless, coach. <laughs> you told me I suck. <laughs> so, but he was very straightforward. And then even the next day at practice, he, um, he had a plan for me every year, certain meets, what I needed to go to get to the Olympic trials. Okay. Um, he basically put me and two other kids in a, a lane by ourselves. And that whole year we would crank out about 15,000 yards of practice, which is roughly nine miles swimming, okay. while the rest of the group was doing maybe eight to 10,000. Okay. So we were just doing so much more than they were. And, I mean, I was depressed about it, but then I started seeing the results. <laughs> I was getting best times just in practice, which, and then and then at meets I was just killing my times. Right. So from that point on, I was kind of like, all right, I'm going to have to do much more than you. Now, did he separate you because of your aspirations and goals? I mean, how did the other rest of the team, how do you think they felt about it? Did they Were they just not as motivated and just wanted to show up? Or no, well, did, it, did they see you as being favored? What do you think? They, they didn't see it. It was kind of like, um, well, they were happy they weren't doing what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of like, in, in swimming, they kind of like group you up into different groups, like mid-distance, distance, and sprint. And I mean, and I was a distance kid, but there's a lot of kids that don't have to do what I have to do mm-hmm. to get better at distance. Okay. So it was one of those things where, like, we had a, I had a girl in the lane that went to Florida, University of Florida Gators, who was, like, number two in the country at the time mm-hmm. with distance, and she was good anyways. Um, I had another friend who uh, swam at Bucknell. He was kind of like my um, ability level, and right. it was me. So it, it's kind of like they, they group you up into what your specialty is. Okay. But nobody else in New Jersey at the time was doing what we were doing for that. How did that set you apart? I mean, did the results show up as anticipated? Yeah, I mean, I dropped a minute in my 1,000. I dropped about 10 seconds in my 200 that year. It, just, it was a lot of that's huge phenomenal. drops. People were like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> huge. Guy? Yeah, so it was, a, it was a big improvement during that year. So yeah. did you? what happened with the Olympic trials, and how did that end up? I didn't, I didn't wind up making Olympic trials. Okay. Um, we did, I did make the senior nationals, which is kind of like Olympic trials. We did, like, relays. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was not, I was not talented enough. But the the difference in training and the, the the effort itself was enough to net you a trip to college. Yes. Where'd you go? Uh, University of Delaware. All right. And did you swim the same events in college? Yes, I did. All right. Uh, mile, 500, and 200. How did you rank against the other people on the team at the time? It, it was funny when I was getting recruited. My times were basically like, all right, I'm going to be the best kid on the team or like top two. Yeah. And we had like four kids getting recruited that year <laughs> with those times. So it was great. We had a nice training okay. uh, thing going on there. Same level kids. Nice. How many years did you swim? Swam for three years. And then you graduate. Yeah. And you face this transition that we all face, which is going from, you know, I don't have any 8 o'clock classes. <laughs> I can stay up all night. Uh, I don't have to really make any money, you know, not, not, in, not a lot of money. And then you go from that to transition to the job world. And what did that do to you? How did you handle that? Well, the, I mean, the, there was a kind of a weird transition. I, I changed majors, and so then I had to make up some credits. So I wound up graduating four and a half years. Mm-hmm. So my senior year, I was doing student teaching. I couldn't, uh, co- I couldn't swim anymore. Okay. So I, my head coach, though, wanted me on the team still as, like, a, co- a volunteer coach. So I did that uh, when I could make the practices. And so after doing about 15 years of cardio every day, like, that much, I got really tired of it. So I just 
maintain my eating habits <laughs> right and everything else and i gained about 55 pounds right <laughs> it was like horrific it looked that's that's not like even strange that's that's normal yeah. i don't know about 55 <laughs> yeah but most people I, I know and myself included when we make that transition from like yeah you know a library's open all night I can always work out. There's a gym everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't have to be anywhere, particularly at eight, you yeah. know, to now I have to be somewhere. Yeah. Life changes. And the, the socialization of work, of the workplace, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, it was like, you know, the first couple months, I'm, I'm, I'm staying straight and narrow. I'm bringing in my lunch. Yeah. But everybody else is going out to the Italian restaurant every single day at lunch. Right. And eventually you let go and gain weight, pick up weight. Yeah. And, and it was, so I had... That senior year was rough with that. And then my first year out, I was still kind of student teaching. And then halfway through the year, I was done. So I was kind of doing long-term subbing the rest of the year. Right. Um, but by that point, the damage was already done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went from going into high school, I mean college, 139, coming out like 192. Right. Um, so um, that was just like kind of like a rough transition. It was a big toll on me. Yeah. So was there is there any particular low point or you know where you can just remember like you know something that made you decide to do something different? There was two things. There was um, I came I came home. I moved home. I got a job teaching Piscataway, but that summer before I started teaching, um, I remember I went to Fuddruckers and I used to always when I was swimming I used to always get the one pound cheeseburger and a milkshake. Right. And I'd be fine. And I, I went and had that, and then that night I laid down, and I was maybe 22, and, like, my heart hurt. Mm. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. I was like, this is not good. I'm only 22, and this is what I'm feeling like. And then my uh, the guy I lift with, and I've been lifting with him since I've been home, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Ritchie, he was like, I bet you you can't get a six-pack again. So a I was challenge. Like, so it was, like, a little challenge, a mental challenge, and I love those. So um, from that point on, I started, like, really – I started going back to the gym at least twice a day, going on like a plan. That that first year, I dropped about thirty five pounds. Okay, and, but it was like, I, and I kind of just ate what I wanted still. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't even matter. But I was going to the gym twice a day, and everything like that. So that's when it started to change, really. All right. So you you were you had significantly ramped up your activity level. What were you doing on those two different on those two different uh, training sessions per day? You went to. I mean, two a days. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> a like, job. That's like normal. Yeah. <laughs> two <What>? jobs. <laughs> with yeah. two jobs at a time? Yeah, yeah. What was the other job? You were teaching well, and Teaching what? and coaching. Okay. Right. So coaching swimming. Between, yeah. Right. And um, so the, the mornings I would do, I read something where if you like kind of just did, um, well, it drove me nuts because before I really dropped the weight, I was doing a lot of running in the morning and my heart rate was like 180 and I wasn't seeing any of, seeing mm-hmm. much results. Mm-hmm. And then I, one day at the gym, I'm just looking at some, like, bodybuilder guy who's, like, shredded, and he's just walking on an incline. And I'm like, what is, what's going on? Right. <laughs> like, you know, like, is he doing steroids? <laughs> like, like, there's no way. So I, I started looking it up, and, and then I was reala- realizing, oh, you burn fat at a lower heart rate. Mm-hmm. You're up there burning your muscle up. Yeah, I'm just burning muscle. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, let me try this. I'm like, I'm putting so much more work in. And then... What I would do is in the morning I would just kind of walk on an incline. I had Netflix and I would just like watch a whole series, right? <laughs> one se- one episode of morning, and I would do it like kind of on an empty stomach because mm-hmm. I read somewhere that that helped burning fat. Okay. Like, right in the morning, so I did that pretty much every morning. And then I would lift in the afternoon, and that helped a lot. 
Okay. The start. All right. So, I mean, you're putting in, you got two jobs, you're doing two workouts a day. Is there even time for a girlfriend at that point in time? No, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't had a girlfriend in a long time. <laughs> That's it. You gotta find somebody who will spot you, <laughs> then you can spend quality time together. <laughs> okay, so you dropped thirty-five. Yeah. On a dare. Yeah. And and went to, to two days, and did it work? Did it, you did you did you get ripped? I got. They think I did. I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. Com- compared to where I was. Right. I got like a four pack. Right. I got that little pouch at the bottom. Okay. Still haunts me right <laughs> so it's the, much better now. then the question is do you think you're ripped now yeah yes yeah. you're welcome yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. Yeah. okay so let's go forward mm-hmm. you, you drop 35 you're coaching now you we didn't even tell people you're a school teacher yeah and you also coach is it the same club that you used to swim same at? club and my my head coach is not the one who told me that i had no talent mm-hmm. he, he was the head coach the year after okay um but i i've i've had him He's been in my life since, like, 1996. Okay. We both joined the team the same year. He was coaching and I was swimming. So he's now, like, I, I, I'm i an assistant coach with him. Okay. So it's, it's a nice transition from getting yelled at by him to <laughs> being the one yelling with him. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what is it like to swim for and under a world champion, you know, like yourself? I mean, what is it like to be a kid in a club to swim under you? It, is it? Is it harrowing? Is it like are they, are they shell shocked or well, do they get ironed out? What, what is no, it like? No, they. Well, like well, the the funny thing is, my head coach, I swam with Rebecca Sony, who's, uh, she's she's won the Olympic gold medal in the 200 breaststroke, 2008, 2012, okay. um, and uh, so he coached her. So mm-hmm. he's he's already coached a world record holder Olympian, so he knows what he's talking about, and he's done it time and time again with other people as well. So it's very humbling just to swim under him and just to work with him right um and the i mean the the kids i, I coach uh like basically 13 18 year olds mm-hmm. and they just they just love whatever i'm doing like they like they have fun just watching like hearing about the stories with like the obstacle course races or the pull-ups they're there they're watching at like 4 a.m in the morning right know, coming out so they they're entertained by what i'm doing now let's move forward you're still coaching you're still a teacher yeah and now we kind of get into and you've lost 35 pounds. Yeah. All right. How long ago was that? That was probably five years ago. Okay, five years ago. Catch me up from five years ago to when we begin to even think about doing some pull-ups. Okay, so it was last year, right around this time, actually. Um, it was February 13th last year. Uh, one of our students passed away. Uh, he had pediatric cancer. Mm-hmm. And the year before, on actually my birthday, they had a dance for him. It was called Dance for Daniel. And I got duct taped to a wall. <laughs> Basically, like, the students would buy, like, a dollar per foot and would just tape me right. to see, like, if I could stay up there. Right. And it was all for for him, Daniel Knowles. To raise money. Yeah. Right. And uh, he was there for a little bit. He couldn't stay long. Um, but he, it was really, really cool when he put some tape on me. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so from that moment on I was kind of like more touched by it like and then when he passed away I, it was awful um, and then a couple weeks later me and my buddy were kind of like goofing around in the gym and was like dude you can do pull-ups forever and I'm like yeah like he's like you should look up like what the Guinness world record is right and so we, we just googled it right there and it was by a US Navy SEAL mm-hmm. uh, 
David Goggins, and I read up on him. It was like three attempts. He, uh, I think the first attempt, he pulled something in his forearm. He had to stop. And the second attempt, he had third-degree burns on his hands. Man. I'm like, this is a Navy SEAL. And I, like, Googled him. He's, like, out of, out of his mind. He's, like, probably the craziest person I've ever seen. <laughs> like, he'll do 48-hour runs for around a track. Wow. Like, a regular track, just 48 hours. <laughs> like, the wow. mental and physical toughness is an unheard of. Yeah. Um, so... I was like, there's no way I could do it. And so I was like, well, let me just try. So I figured out how many he would have to do. And I did uh, a three-hour and 20-minute thing of pull-ups. And I did 1,000 pull-ups in that weekend. And I was like, and then the next day I was not sore. Okay. And I was like, I can I can do this, I think. And so from that point, I saw that he, he d- raised money for, I think it was the military, some type of charity with them. Mm-hmm. So I went right to the Knowles family and asked them if I can do this for them and they loved it they thought it was a great idea and they picked Sloan Kettering we just raised the money for Sloan Kettering and put it in his name okay and that actually um, meant more to me because one of my friends growing up passed away and went to Sloan Kettering a lot so I was like oh that's good like I we can raise the money for Daniel right and it's, it's also given to Sloan Kettering which is where my friend Sean Hanna was so that point basically just started training for it got all the way up to 2,000 pull-ups in a practice session and uh, I kind of used the mentality of like just from the beginning I was still doing two to three a days uh, during the week doing normal lifts and then the weekends I was doing the pull-ups just kind of like people were like you're crazy I'm like I have to do that much to get better right you know back to your swimming training yeah Yeah. back to just outworking yeah everybody else yep the Super Fantastic Show.